Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this week's episode of the Geek Buddies. We are back at it this week to have some fun talking about the big news going on in the world of geekery. We're coming a little bit early this week. Normally we drop on a Friday, but we had to talk about this one. We're going to talk about that Superman casting. We're going to talk about some new trailers, some Tron 3 casting. But get into our main topic, which is going to be Indiana Jones and counting out our uh, uh, personal top fives, well, top fours, I guess, of uh, Indiana Jones in, in celebration or in honor of uh, – Dial of Destiny coming out this weekend. Let's get so let's uh, introduce ourselves and jump into the show. I am the outlaw John Rooker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor. And as being a television actor, from time to time, you get this thing called mailbox money. It's residuals that kind of just show up. A little bit of money that you get here and there for yeah. th- things that you've done in the past. I've got a residual check today. I'm just going to do one of these. Look at that bad guy. Come on now. If you've ever wondered (laughs) how much money you make from residuals, it's about that. That's about how much. Here I come. Oh, here I come. Oh. I want to get that one cent check. That's exactly how I feel. Want to get that one cent check? Yeah, we got a lot uh, to get into here, um, and we're uh, we're going to power through with a very exhausted Michael Vogel, who's been doing a number of things today, a number of meetings, a uh, number of workouts, and he's on his way to a vacation for a week. So uh, we appreciate you being here, Michael. Thank you very much. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you something. There's sometimes where you get into like a good like 48 to 54 hours, mm. where every single hour is booked. Yeah, yeah. We are reaching the tail end of it. <laughs> and then I'm leaving for five days and I'm not talking to anybody and I'm just gonna drink in a pool. So that's there. that's where we're at. Yeah. We'll see what there. we're on the we're on the tail end. We're on fumes, 
but yeah. they are exciting fumes. And I'm this ready is to your do last set. Thing. This is your last set this is of it. the workout. This is going to give you the biggest pump, as Arnold would say. That's so you're right. ready to go. We're ready to go. <laughs> All right. For those of you new to us, thank you so much for taking a chance on us uh, here at the Geek Buddies. For those of you who come back every week, thank you very much. We love you madly. You know how the show works. Each of us brings up a geek news item. Uh, we talk about it amongst ourselves, and we take a big break and jump into our main geek news item. And our main item this week is, of course, talking about Indiana Jones and where we rank these four Indiana Jones movies. And maybe Shannon and I will throw our where we rank our fifth one because we've actually seen it. But okay. Either way, let's get it going. Michael Vogel, what do you got? Well, DC, guys, it's still here. Despite what the Flash box office would have you think, DC is still kicking. And we had some big news this week. Uh, We've been talking about this Superman casting. They've been looking at everybody. They narrowed it down. And they have now narrowed it down to our Clark Kent and our Lois Lane. Uh, David Cornsweet and Rachel Brosnahan, Mrs. Ew. Maisel, um, are the new Superman and Lois for James Gunn's Superman legacy, which he is currently writing and will be directing and will kick off the Gun Saffron DCU. So uh, before we jump into our other piece of DC news, gentlemen, yeah. we talked about this. I feel like we were all sort of in this general vicinity, kind of thought this was where we would land. I know that uh, Shannon McClung, as the president of the Nicholas Holt fan club, might have some misgivings here. But uh, how are you guys feeling about this? <laughs> you know, I, I think it's it's great. It's yeah. great. Ra- Rachel Brosnahan is, you know, she's going to be fantastic. I, I went back and watched a little bit of Hollywood, the Ryan Murphy show on Netflix, mm. and saw watched a little bit of David Cornsweet, and he is very... He's very, very charming. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I got into the meat of the show to find out like how how deep his how deep his well runs. But you know what? First impressions, I thought he was really, really good. Am I disappointed about Nicholas Holt? Yes. Was I on the phone with him the other night? Yes. <laughs> Is that true? No. no. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, now that there the search is on for Lex Luthor, I kind of hope that he's not up for that. Um, I feel like he's actually too young to be Lex um but yeah i think it's it's really really exciting um so i'm really uh really curious and you know we only have to wait a mere two years to find out how it turns out well uh, he's a good looking dude man and i i watched we own the city which is damn good if you're looking for a fix after the wire after you've watched the wire you a little david simon fix go and watch we own the city because that is a damn good show and he is almost unrecognizable in the show from what you see him now. It's much more scruffy. He's a little more doughier. He's got a short buzz haircut. And so he's a little bit, so it's more of a character work that he was doing there in the show. It wasn't a big part of the show, but it was in almost all the episodes. So I was familiar with him to that degree. I haven't seen Pearl. I haven't seen the Hollywood show you're referencing, Shanna. But I, clearly, this is someone who James Gunn feels can carry the weight of Superman and Clark Kent into his version of the universe and put that tentpole very firmly in the ground with the American flag attached to it, of course. And then over to Rachel Brosnahan, this just seemed like a no brainer. As soon as all of us heard it, and I think a majority of people heard that name, we knew this is the way to go. So it may have been that he went backwards to forwards, which is, I know Brosnahan's the one for me who is going to have the best chemistry with her saw David Cornsweet felt they, they fit. And I know I've seen people complaining and we've seen we got the memes on our Geek Buddies thread about how close he looks to Henry Cavill, which has pissed some people off. And I don't understand that he was never going to go 
with that older version of Superman and Henry Cavill. So why not a younger version, which doesn't rule out that down the road, if this is all a success, Henry Cavill could come back, play the older version of the David Corrin Sweat Superman, and it would be believable for us. So for me, I don't have a problem why, with I'm just why saying. Are you, why are you? It's like, it's just like throwing... <laughs> Throwing a little bit of a meat at somebody and then just pulling it away. Like, that's not happening. Just, Henry Cavill know. is done. Look, there is no Cavill's going to come back and in the knows? 11th hour, he's going to fly in. Michael like, just Keaton came back. I'm just saying, you never know. So, anyway, I like the choices. Now, let's move. And I think Nicholas Holt is going to be playing Lex Luthor or Brainiac, one of the two at some or point. Or Bruce Wayne. Or. Man, that could be really interesting, right? We mentioned that too. Bruce Wayne is a possibility as well. But either way, I liked it all. But we should go to our Superman expert, Michael Vogel. Your thoughts on these casting I, choices? You know, it's like we said this every time we've talked about the casting choices, but James Gunn's good at casting. And these 100%. two look great. The whole Henry Cavill of it all, I look, I know that some people love what he did, but you have to admit that Man of Steel to Batman versus Superman, to either version of Justice League and his wonky lip, like, it was it was a bumpy road. Yes. And I think that the thing about Henry Cavill, and I think Henry Cavill's a great actor, I think the thing about Henry Cavill is, and I think this is why people get upset, the mm -hmm. promise of Henry Cavill yes. uh, was always there, and we never fully realized the Henry Cavill Superman that people i think wanted to see mm -hmm. so that's been. a shame that they could have been the the the, the superman that could have been um i think there's a lot of reasons for that and i think that everyone on this podcast would disagree about them but i think i'm right um but i think that here look there's a lot of questions about there's a lot of questions about what this new dcu is going to be there's a lot of questions about the tone the vibe the feel but i think as a first step like this is literally like we we aside from Gunn and Saffron coming on and Gunn doing his big announcement, letting us know the movies that were going to happen. This is the first official, real step of what we are getting ready to see. And I think as a first step, it's a good step. Mm -hmm. I I think to the Brosnahan because I think he looks great. I think he's charming. I think a lot of it is gonna. I think with it when it comes to Superman and Kal El, a lot of it is going to come into what is Gunn going to do with Kal El. Right. You right. know, like there's a That's lot of there's style, yeah. there's you know whether it be. Uh, more uh, hearkening back to the Christopher Reeve Donner Superman, whether it's going to be, I don't know if I quite fit in and I'm a little bit pained and troubled by it, like, like Snyder did or somewhere in between. There's a lot of questions. The constant is kind of Lois Lane. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of questions about what you do with Kal-El and his relationship with humanity and his relationship with Krypton. Lois Lane is Lois Lane. Mm -hmm. And I would say that when you look at particularly the past few years of Lois Lane in movies, that's also where people have really dropped the ball. So I think the fact that we've got Rachel Brosnahan is a very good indicator that we might be on a better path. Are we getting the 50s quippy dialogue that we got in the 1978 Superman? Or is it going to be something more modern in her quippiness? Well... That's a really good question. I think, and there's a there's a taste level to that. Like, I think Lois Lane is always quippy, and right. sure. like, I mean, you know, whether it be Erica Durant in Smallville or Dana Delaney in the animated series, like, there's like every version of Lois Lane is a little bit of a smartass quippy. Like, that's a thing. So, yeah. I, I think, I do think the chemistry between Christopher Reeve and Margot Mar uh, Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder is is hard to top. Yeah, 
So I think that's going to be the real question. Um, and something that I think will be interesting as well is, you know, uh, Margot Kidder found out that, or Lois Lane found out that Clark Kent was Superman in Superman 2 and then forgot by the end. Um, Man of Steel, Lois finds out real fast. Quicker than that. <laughs> that Clark Kent is, uh, is Superman. Um, I'm curious where this is going to land because part of the fun is the fact that she doesn't know that her Nebishi coworker is this guy that she has, that she is completely enthralled with. Um, I, I hope we get some of that fun. James Gunn tends, in my opinion of him, tends to really love a little bit of the classic stuff, a lot of the Silver Age stuff in, in comics in general. So I feel like his vibe is let's at least spend a, some amount of time, even if it's not the entire first movie, yeah. let's spend a good amount of time playing that classic love triangle. But we'll, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, because, I mean, you want to show her as intelligent and capable and what's been the big strike against Lois is more modern audiences have looked at this as like, come on, she wouldn't figure out that a guy with glasses would look like that kind of thing. How are they going to play with that? I'll be very curious how James Gunn does the modern take of that. And another thing that I'll throw out there, I mean, what if Rachel outshines David in the role? Will that cause bumpiness in the film or in the uh, future of those two as well? Because she's a much more accomplished actress, led an entire series for multiple seasons uh, by herself and one of the heralded series, not just, you know, not just rules of engagement and her shit on CBS. Like this was a series that won awards and shit. I'm just saying there's a difference. A lot Lob of people leave Patrick Warburton alone, sir. Lobbing a bomb at Rules of Engagement. <laughs> just saying, there are shows that people lead, and you're like, who the fuck's the lead of that? And then there are shows that people lead, and they win awards. There's two different – like, yeah. Winona Earp is a damn good show. and ain't giving any awards, and the lead is a good actress. But, I mean, like, Brosnan is uh, exploded yeah. with awards and stuff. So there's a possibility she could outshine David here. Maybe, well, although, I mean, look. Go ahead. Go ahead, Shannon. Well, no, I was going to say maybe that's also the extensive casting that they have done. Like that, you know, they narrowed it down to those, to yeah, these yeah, yeah. kind of three couples. If the article in Variety or Deadline is to be believed, they had a day of testing. The next yes. day, Emma Mackey was the was the lowest for everybody. And I think the intention is is to have them is to have them as equals. And if there yeah. was any danger of that not happening, that um sometimes the best performer isn't always the best performer for the role. And so right, you hope, right. you hope that, that this is, this is the pair that is going to not only shine individually, but make each other shine. Yeah. I hope that's true, Michael, because George Judy told me I didn't get to play, uh, <laughs> uh, Polonius. When I was the dad in Hamlet, Polonius, Claudius, Claudius. Claudius. I didn't get Claudius. to make Claudius because he needed me better as Hamlet's dad. That's what he told me. I don't know if he told me the truth. And that's why he gave it to our friend Joe Knezovich. But I don't know he if did. that's true. We he did not me. tell you the truth. He did. I'm not saying I'm not saying I don't think you could have done it. But that is what. Like, hey, so I really wanted to play the cowardly lion. But you cast me as one of the trees that throws the apples. That's because I needed you to be that tree. I, I've I mean, seen you throw an apple and you are my guy. <laughs> Jimmy Joe's resume is much more extensive than mine, so clearly George Judy made the right choice. Uh, what, what else did James Gunn have to say, uh, Mikey? Well, I as a segue, I can't have someone with a cannon like that be a lion. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> well, yeah. So James Gunn, uh, in addition to officially casting his Superman and Lois, had a couple other things to say about uh, the superhero genre this yep. week in an interview on the Inside of You podcast, um, where he said he thinks there's too many superhero movies and television shows out right now. And in talking about DC, he says, we're going to be very careful with the product that we put out and making sure everything is as good as it possibly can be. He went on to say that people have gotten really lazy with their superhero stories. And they've gotten to a place where, oh, it's a superhero, let's make a movie about it. And then, oh, let's make a sequel because the first one did pretty well. And then they aren't thinking about why is this story special? What makes this story stand apart from other stories? What is the story at the heart of it all? Why is this character important? What makes this story different? That it fills a need for people that, that in theaters that people will go see. And then he continued on saying, People have gotten a little lazy and there's a lot of biff pow bam stuff happening in movies that I'm watching third acts in superhero films where I just really don't feel like there's a rhyme or reason to what's happening. I don't care about the characters and it's gotten too generic. And he says the solution is having different genres within the larger superhero movie genre, like a serious superhero movie, a com comedic superhero movie, a murder mystery superhero movie. But with super like he's like he wants to see different types of stories as opposed to seeing the same story told over and over again. So. From the guy that's now running one of the two big superhero franchises, that's a lot of opinions, and you have to wonder how much of that is directed at his competition and how much of that is directed to the movies that are coming out of his own house. So I know John had some opinions about this on Twitter. I couldn't help but notice. So, Johnny, why don't you take it away and let us know your thoughts on uh, on what Gunn had to say. Look, I don't. I'm not saying James Gunn is wrong all right i'm not saying that i think james gunn's had got every right to have his opinion but when you're the head of arguably an arm of the studio in dc studios with peter saffron i think it's the wrong thing to say to criticize other creators work it's not like james has made these blockbusters every time out and it isn't like you can't pick apart some of the story beats and storylines and some of the humor that doesn't work and some of the biff bang pow stuff that he does in his movies and go like did we need that that seemed a bit extraneous he isn't making perfectly untouchable films for god's sakes maybe guardians of the first one you could argue but even that has a couple of plot holes in certain sections so i don't have a problem with someone as a pundit a critic a reviewer even a fellow filmmaker saying something like this right it may cause danger you're insulting other creators in essence but as, a, as the head of, a, of a, a studio or arm of the studio, I think it's poor form. I think it's bad to criticize. And people say to me all the time when I bring this up that, no, Feige and Gunn, they get along great. I think he was taking shots at Feige by doing that. Oh, let's make a hero out of anybody. Ironically, even though that's how they got Guardians of the Galaxy to get done. And he may have been taking shots at Sony, certainly for Venom and Morbius and these other things. That's a more valid criticism if his mindset was talking about Sony, but if he was also throwing in some Marvel stuff and lumping some of that in there, I think it's a bit of poor form considering how nobody wanted a Guardians of the Galaxy movie until Feige went to bat for James. And don't forget that a woman wrote that script first for the first Guardians of the Galaxy before James did. And arguably, the better script of all three of his movies is the first one. So these are these things that you have to have a little more perspective, I think. And there's nothing wrong with his opinion in terms of if you're a pundit or a fan or a critic or a reviewer or whatever. But as the head of a studio, I just thought for me, it hit the wrong note. And this isn't about him 
falling, uh, crucifying himself for so we can create great superhero movies. Cut that hero worshiping nonsense out. This is about the fact that he is saying stuff that to me was I think was out of turn for the position that he's in. My two cents. But do you have a strong opinion? <laughs> but I respect James and I love his work. It's just nothing's untouchable for God's sakes. Shannon, what about you? How do you how do you feel about uh, Gunn's take on the current state of the superhero cinema? Uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 I don't think he's telling tales outside of school per se. I think we all have uh, we all have opinions sure. about uh, not just superhero films, but any 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 uh, medium that we all love. Um, anytime there is an explorer treasure hunt movie, it is always going to be compared to Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, point. you know, I don't know if we're ever going to hit the Explorer Renaissance the way that we've been in the superhero genre for over 20 years. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like part of it is especially, you know, I think if you remove Marvel from it, when you look at the third act, you know, Bam, Pow, uh, you know, I think I think it's more comments on sort of the superhero superhero film industrial complex. Mm. Um, that here are the things that have happened in the past because this is what happens in your third act. Um, you know, I think when you look back at the beginning of Marvel, you look back at the stakes of Iron Man 1. What what was that big third act battle? It was a grudge match between Tony Stark and Obadiah Stane. What was Obadiah Stane's plan other than kills Tony Stark? We don't know. But it was very small. I mean, even uh, even the first Thor. You know, it's like we're in this tiny New Mexico yeah. town. We go to Asgard. Um you go to Man of Steel, I mean, it is, the world is about to end. You go to Suicide Squad, the world is about to end. You go to Batman versus Superman, the world is about to end. I think it might be more of a comment, I mean, I don't think he's completely excluding Marvel, but I think it might be more of a comment on his predecessors, because with every time, if you're saving the world every time, it starts to lose its meaning. Yeah. Um, and yes, you can't not talk about sony's the sony picture universe of marvel characters and be like why did we yeah. why did we need this um but i do understand john's point of view in that okay. is this for someone to come in and work for james gunn in this capacity it's like wow if this doesn't turn out and you know it's not always a director's fault when a movie doesn't turn out yeah. there are many many things that can go wrong it's a giant machine with a lot of moving parts um you know but is there a fear of oh man if this doesn't turn out if we don't just nail it james gunn's gonna be making some sort of veiled comment on my abilities as a storyteller um so i mean i do understand john's point of view i i don't think i'm quite as passionate about it though. <laughs> um no i look i think we all generally agree i'll say it in a slightly yeah, different way yeah. i think to shannon's point james gunn's right I mean, like, aside from whether or not he should have said it all, what he says is correct. Like, if you, and I think we said this exact same thing last week when we were talking about the Craven trailer, which is like, why does this matter? Mm. Aside from the fact that you own this character and you're trying to trot him out, what is, what? why is this movie special amongst all the other movies? What are you trying to tell? And... I think that's true of a lot of superhero movies. I think it's true of some Marvel movies. I think it's certainly true of some Sony movies, and it's true of DC movies. I also think that he isn't excluding DC. I think Shannon's right. That man got the job for a reason. I think yeah. he walked himself right into DC, and they said, what, what are we doing wrong? And he said some version of what he's saying here. So I think this is stuff that he said. Now, to John's point, 
there, there's a way to say the true things that he said yes. without saying some of the, I'm taking, I don't think he's taking a shot at anybody specifically. I think no. he is kind of talking generally, but it's impossible to look at that and not do what all of us said. Well, was he talking about this? He's talking about this, talking about this. <laughs> and I think this falls under the category of the way that Kevin Feige doesn't tweet and James Gunn yes! tweets a lot. Yes. This is that same category of James Gunn. If you're going to be the ambassador of an entire superhero cinematic universe, let's 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 cut the negative and stick to the positives. Like someone says, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with the state of superhero movies? Is there superhero fatigue? I don't think there's superhero fatigue. I'm really excited about telling different superhero movies. I want to do a superhero comedy. I want to do like a superhero murder mystery. I think the more variety that we give people, and so it's not just the next big superhero movie, but this is a superhero movie that does this, and this is a superhero movie that does this. That's what I'm interested in, and I want to find those creators that are going to do that. I just said the best part of what he said without saying, let me tell you what's wrong with superhero movies that are out currently. And I think he needs to do a little bit more of that. And you just sort of stay on the straight and narrow, stay on the positive, stay on the, this is what I'm excited about without saying, this is what other people are doing wrong. That's what concerns me. It's the hubris. And listen, you're attacking, if you're attacking DC before you, you're attracting directors like um, James Wan, like, uh, Patty Jenkins and your attack, you know, so it's kinds of things and Zack Snyder. And to me, I just don't know if that's necessarily the best course, but you know, there's other people supported what he had to say, but I just well, think that you're in charge. Of it's a fine line because yeah. he didn't, he didn't attack anybody. Like, it's not like not he came out and said, right, right. let me, let me tell you why the Snyder verse <laughs> sucked. Like, you know, he didn't say anything specifically and there's so many superhero, right. like, like the, we live in the superhero era. So, it's impossible, like to to defend him a little bit. You can't point to anything and say he no, was talking. No, like, right. He could he could go into a meeting with Zack Snyder, Patty Jenkins, Kevin Feige, Amy Pascal, anybody he wants, and say I wasn't talking about you. Yeah, and like he wasn't. So he he covered himself fine. But I think in general, it's better when you just stick to the positive. You better nail Superman. You better nail Superman Legacy. I'll tell you that right now. I hope there's no Biff pound, Biff Bams or Pals in it. <laughs> it better be no. God Biff forbid. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a real quick topic. Uh, this will take. Let's do two or three minutes on this. Um, it was just announced today, earlier this afternoon, that Evan Peters will be jumping in to Tron Three. He's going to be cast along Jared Leto. I saw this. I couldn't help but put this up. There it is. The Dahmer versus Leto. There. <laughs> Uh, very <laughs> funny stuff. So, um, what, what do you? Tron Three is happening. It's supposed to start shooting in August. I know there's strikes going on, everything like this, but apparently it's still on track to start shooting in August. Jared Leto is your lead. Jared Leto, who's shown recently not the greatest person to put butts in seats. You throw in Evan Peters, whose name has really been building with some of the work, like Maravis Town, and of course Quicksilver and other things that he's done. He's been re- really shining in. So, do you like him being a part of this? And do we need a Tron 3, though, with these two dudes? Like, are you guys excited about this in any way, shape, or form? I just think everybody should be really thankful that those Tron light cycles just opened up at Disney World in Orlando. Because <laughs> that yes. is this is a movie the reason... being made to promote that, Michael? Is it? I mean, I'm not going to say it's a movie made to promote that, but the Tron light cycles in Shanghai Disney or Hong Kong Disney, whichever park they're in, I think okay. maybe Shanghai, Super popular. Everybody loves them. They have now brought them to Orlando. Right. Lines all through Tomorrowland to ride that thing. It's apparently a super fun roller coaster. I can't wait to go back and ride it. But the fact that Disney has 
an attraction in the park that they are getting behind and promoting yeah. is at least in part a reason why they are going to continue to revive this franchise. Now, look, there might be a great take on the movie. There might be a really good idea. But yeah, Tron is one of those Hollywood anomalies. That movie came out back in the day and it bombed. Yes. The original. And then it became a cult classic. Yeah. Tron Legacy came out, and aside from a rockin' soundtrack, it's not on anybody's top 10 movies list. It uh, yeah, bombed as well, yeah. There was an animated TV series that was decent, but not, like, blowing anybody's socks off, and now we're getting a third movie years later, um, almost, almost a decade later. Yeah. And so it's a weird franchise, but there's just something about it that keeps people keeping on. Like, I'm not unexcited about a Tron 3. Okay. I'm curious. I love the Tron movies. I hope they get it right, but we'll see. Shannon, your thoughts. Is this a little too, are these guys going to put people as butts in seats? Or what do you think about this? I mean, you can look at what Tron legacy and, and, you know, Jeff uh, Bridges being in it didn't really put butts in seats. Neither really? did Garrett Hedlund. So I think a movie like this, I mean, the, the star is the property. Yeah. Um, but the property doesn't have like the have like the strongest history. Um, but it's also it's very eye catching. I think if they can get the right story, I think a Tron movie could be really popular. I mean, the thing that that kept people out of watching Tron Legacy was people walked out of the theater and were like, meh, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh Joaquin Ronin, the Norwegian yeah. director, like yeah, he's directing he, it, yeah. he directed uh the Fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And like at, you want to talk about a, about a franchise that was really losing steam. I actually thought that movie was okay. Yeah. Um, the fifth movie is better than the fourth movie. Oh, the fourth movie is real bad. Yeah. Um, but you know, the the Evan Peters, Jared Leto, they're people you can put on a poster. So yeah, true, if true. If the story is, if if the movie turns out well, because visually, I no doubt they're going to nail it. They know exactly the world. The, the visuals they nailed a long time ago. Right. Um, they were just waiting for the technology to catch up. Um, now they just need the story to be in a place that is going to, uh, you know, get an audience on board. Yeah, it's going to be called Tron Ares. There you go. Tron Ares. It, listen, I mean, I kind of, it's, I, it's a weird thing, because, like, I'm not, Shannon's right. Like, They've caught my attention. Right. And Tron as an idea is really cool. And in execution, it's never been as cool as the idea, but maybe yeah. they'll finally get it right. We'll see. He hasn't directed a film since uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil in 2019. Well, so and that is not great. <laughs> so we That will movie see. is not great. We'll see what the balance is. We'll see what the balance is. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into some trailers and then also get into our Indiana Jones discussion uh, right after this. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's king. 
King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Take it away, Shannon. And we with trailers, trailers, trailers. So starting off, speaking of DC, we have a uh, a limited series coming to Max called Super Powered, the DC story that happens to be produced by our good friend and friend of the show, Mr. Jonathan Gabay. So this chronicles Ooh. the... the <laughs> I, I, I texted him right beforehand just to clarify. I'm like, you're, you're a producer on it, right? And he's like, yeah, why? And I was like, hey, just wait. <laughs> mind, mind your business. Yeah, mind, mind your business. business. Mind your business. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, produce. Um, but this uh, this is a docuseries that chronicles the history of DC, uh, starting back from when you know Superman made his first appearance in action comics. And uh, in the in the trailer for this, I mean, it shows uh, a lot of the movies that we've gotten in the last in the last five to 10 years. And this is coming at a really interesting time because uh, kind of on the heels of the flash kind of petering out of the box office, the excitement, the potential excitement with Gunn and Saffron rebooting the universe. And now with the, the announcement of our uh, Superman and Lois, now we get a little bit of a a little bit of the history that went behind uh, DC comics. And in terms like, I love a good docu-series, especially about pop culture. And this one seems like, this one seems very, very watchable to me, but I'll throw it over to you gentlemen. What did you think of our first look at the Jonathan Gabay produced, <laughs> super powered, the DC story? Yeah, I liked the trailer. I thought the trailer was great. Very inspirational, certainly as, as it is, but I couldn't help uh, let go of that gnawing feeling of all these people who have bombed or been let go by Disney, who are the talking heads that they show in the trailer, some of those films that bombed and didn't do well. And so it's a weird time for this for a film like this to be coming out, but maybe it's also the right time because it'll kind of get us back in touch with why we love these DC characters, these DC stories, and the potential of what's to come here with James Gunn and Peter Safran uh, and what they're doing, because Blue Beetle being kind of the soft opening of James Gunn's DC universe. Um, so in that way, I, I had to kind of like navigate my feelings as I was watching the trailer, because Patty Jenkins is in this, The Rock is in this. There are people <laughs> who have been kind of unceremoniously dumped out of DC even though they, you know, they tried to create something great, and in Patty Jenkins' case, did I didn't see Zack Snyder, so clearly that's not the door they wanted to open or could have opened. I don't know what the behind the scenes on that is. But that being said, it was nice to feel the positivity around it, Michael. Even if maybe the people who are being quoted talking about how oh, we've got to do the right thing, we've all that we got to get back in touch with who we are have done some, you know, maybe not so great things behind the scenes. So I don't know. What did you think of the trailer? I mean, I'm excited about a documentary. I have some concerns about the producer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's totally No, fair. I'm actually really, uh, I mean, I mean, Jonathan's been telling us about this for a while. Yeah. yeah. And he's been really, really excited about it. Um, it looks I'm great. really excited it looks because great. it's the it's the same creative team that did the Imagineering documentary, Ooh, uh, nice. the six part Imagineering documentary that's airing on Disney Plus. Nice. And I've I've brought this up before. If you've not watched this thing, go watch it. It truly is one of my favorite documentaries I've ever watched. I've watched it more than once. Like I put yeah. it on sometimes when I just need to be. 
Um, and it's really well done. And look, to Johnny's point, Disney in its history of the parks has a checkered past as yes, well. Like true. there's a Michael Eisner era. There's a time when the Imagineers weren't happy. There's times when they made some decisions that were more corporate decisions and not creative decisions. And the documentary traverses all of that and talks about it. I think that when you do a documentary about DC from, as Shannon said, from action comics to what's happening today, um, you're gonna look, nobody, whether or not somebody's creative vision worked or not, whether mm -hmm. I personally like someone's creative vision, whether or not they have stayed on with DC, everybody who got to work on these characters had an opinion about these characters and an affinity for these characters. And I think what this documentary looks like it's going to do, and I hope it does, is like, look, and this is true of all of us. Some of us love the Zack Snyderverse. Some of us hate the Zack Snyderverse. All of us love DC. Yes. Like there right. is, so I love Black Adam. Apparently The Rock does too. I don't like The Rock's movie, but I'm interested about people talking about their take on Black Adam. A documentary is not a promo a piece of promotional material that's supposed to just hype us up. A documentary is telling a story of everything that happened. Good, bad, this failed, this bombed. Like so when I'm going to see something that's going to cover, I don't know how many parts it is, I forget. I think it says in the trailer. I forget if it's 5 parts three. or 6 three, 3 3 parts. When I want to see something that covers everything, I want you to talk about Christopher Reeve. I want you to talk about Smallville. I want you to talk about Lois and Clark, Superman and Lois, yeah. Superman Returns, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. Like, I want the whole story. So I think this is going to be really, really good. I'm very excited about it. I can't wait to watch it. And then I can't wait to give Jonathan Gabay all my notes. There. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of the three episodes on IMDb, they already have the episode titles up. And it is nice. The Hero's Journey, Coming of Age, and A Better Tomorrow. And according to IMDb, all three of these episodes drop at the same time on Max on July 20th, Comic-Con weekend. Oh, so, man. I know. I know. We are going to go buy some whiskey and get <laughs> wasted in the hotel room and watch some documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> so that is July 20th. Our next, our next trailer is for a new Apple series that actually, you know, it's great that Superpart is produced by a friend of ours because uh, this next uh, series has a good friend of John's. Um, this is no. called The Beanie Bubble, and it is starring Zach Galifianakis and John's personal good friend, boon companion, <laughs> Elizabeth Banks. So this is about <laughs> Ty Warner, who was the guy behind uh, the Beanie Babies and this craze that took over. And if you watched Apple TV's um, We Crash that had Jed Leto and Anne Hathaway, Really great series about the rise and fall of WeWork. This seems to be their take. Uh, it's not the same creative team, but it is the same. You know, it is Apple, the same streamer, but it's their take on uh, the beanie, uh, the beanie baby craziness. Um, I thought this trailer looked like a lot of fun. Seeing Zach Galifianakis without any sort of facial hair wow. is real weird. Took me out of <laughs> it. I was like, who is that? Oh, yes, me too. Like, who is this guy? Who's that guy next to John's best friend? Yeah. Uh, so, 
<laughs> so we'll throw this over to Johnny first. What did you think of our look? First look at the beanie bubble. I kind of think that if I grew my hair, I might look like Galifianakis in this movie, in this movie with the black hair and the <laughs> kind of chubby face. Uh, so it was a really interesting um, look. No, it, this was this looks like a lot of fun in terms of the story that they're telling. Yes, I'm not the biggest Elizabeth Banks fan, but you know, because some of the comments about Spielberg and stuff, she's been so off base on a number of things. That being said. There are some performance from hers that I truly do enjoy more comedic. And certainly it seems like this one has a comedic bent along with a uh, darker edge to it. It's a bit more of a dark comedy, which I like that aspect. Plus you get Sarah Snook, which I'm very happy to uh, uh, inject back into my veins as I'm missing succession. So seeing what that whole story is, and you say the guy behind the beanie babies, but it seems like this series is exposing that he wasn't the only person behind the Beanie Baby. So is there going to be more of this story to be told here that maybe some of us didn't know about this kind of stuff? So I'll be very curious to see and what the end result is going to be. And I want a multi-dimensional series. I do not want man bad, woman good. I want something much more complex, much more nuanced. And Apple has done a really good job of it most of the time in their uh, series, maybe not their movies, Ghosted, but certainly in their series. So I'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> if this one is one of those ones that I can enjoy. Because I'm going to be watching Hijack this weekend, for sure. Uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts there, Mike? My thought watching this was, what the fuck was wrong with us? <laughs> <laughs> you act as what? if we're better now. What are you talking about? No, and we're not. Like, we're still crazy human beings. But, like, you know, like, when you're in the crazy, mm. you don't really, like, like I, I mean, I was never a Beanie Baby guy. Yeah. But I had friends who were like all into the Beanie Babies. And like at the time you were like, yeah, sure, that's a thing. Lots of people are into this, I guess. It's cool, like you're a collector. But like when you go back and look at it, you're like, what was wrong with us? Like that's wild. Um, <laughs> you know, like you were talking about the We Crashed. There's also like the Tetris movie that they that they yes. had, which, you know, was, was interesting. I don't think it was like a home run for them. But it's another thing. Like I do kind of love the fact that we are looking back on – some of the things that we all were obsessed with and getting the full story behind it. Like when we watched the Tetris thing over here, me and some buddies, we got done with it. And we're like, is that, is that really what happened? And you look it up and you're like, yeah, it's a little bit, you know, more dramatic, sure. but not as out of the realm as you think it is. You're like, no, this kind of went down this way. That's crazy. And so this looks like it has that same kind of thing where you're going to get done with it. And you're like, is that shit true? And you're gonna be like, man, people are wild. Like, it is just, I'm in. I'm in on this. I like Elizabeth Banks. I think she's fun. Okay. She's a good buddy of mine. Good buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the beanie bubble is popping on July 28th on Apple. And that brings us to our last trailer. Uh, this one is for the film adaptation of Five Nights at Freddy's. So I did not know this until after, after I saw the trailer and did a little bit of research. It's based on a video game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it actually sounds like it's a lot of fun. Basically, a, a you know, single dad gets, gets hired to be a security guard at a... Chuck E. Cheese, showbiz pizza-like uh, 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 derelict restaurant called Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. And at night, the animatronic band <laughs> comes to life because it is powered by the spirits of dead kids hey who died at the restaurant. Hello. <laughs> so this uh, stars Josh uh, Hutcherson and Matthew Lillard. Um it comes out simultaneously in the theaters and on Peacock. So that's not always the, the best indicator, <laughs> but this does look like a 
crazy schlocky type movie that you would watch at a drive-in in the 80s. So I'll throw it over to you, gentlemen. What did you think of our first look at Five Nights at Freddy's? Mikey? I am going to the theater. <laughs> going to the theater. I watched that trailer. I was like, this is the exact kind of stupid shit that you want to get just a drunk and just a little bit high, mm. go get a big tub of popcorn and sit in a crowded theater and watch it. Now, with this movie, I may not get the crowded theater, <laughs> but, but I'm going to go and see it. it. It just looks fun. It's stupid. It's yeah. stupid. But, like, there is just a thing, and if you grew up in the 80s, like, and you ever went to a showbiz pizza or a Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> like... There, you can just hear that clack, 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 clacking in your head of those things <laughs> blinking and moving. Oh, yeah. And like, we were so into it, but those things were creepy as fuck. And it makes sense that they should be in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, apparently, this is, you know, I did a trailer reaction for this earlier this week, and people were commenting who have children. And apparently, there are books, there are other video games, and that girl is actually his uh, sister, not his daughter. So, I don't oh. know. Yeah, so I didn't know that either, according to the mythology. Now, they may have changed it for the movie, but according to the mythology, I was told that that's his younger sister. So there's a lot to this that's really interesting to explore. I thought maybe it was some dude who's... No, but apparently this is the truth. This is what it is about, and it can get quite gory and quite uh, uh, unsettling. So this may have some of that kind of... How can you call it? Kind of out-of-left-field type of horror vibe, like Mandy or these other kind of smaller horror films that have come out recently and had a little twist of humor to them along with the goriness. Uh, so we'll see how deep they go. But certainly by the end of the trailer, you're seeing these images of him out in the woods, this young kid being taken in the car. So that is not his uh, uh, sister. So is he having visions? Is he being visited by these things? Are they messing with his mind? And then we see that last shot of his sister, his young sister in the taxi with one of those animatronics. And some dude is driving the taxi saying he gets all the crazies in his cab. So what does this all mean? But yes, as Michael said, it looks like a lot of fun. And it seemed like the Nicolas Cage Wally film was based on this kind of story. So now getting the actual source material translated or adapted rather would be interesting to see. Yeah, this is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. This is Attack yeah. of the Killer Tomatoes. I mean, this is kind of the perfect movie for October. <laughs> um, to to If you don't feel like going out one night, either going to the theater might might have the theater to yourself or you watch it on you get a group of people and you get it and you watch it on peacock so five nights at freddy's comes out on peacock and in theaters october 27th perfect perfect all right well let's take a quick break and we're going to jump into our main topic talking about our rankings for the indiana jones films right after this Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, why, why not start with that one? But all right, fine, fair <laughs> enough. Um, by the way, a music video was released today with uh, John Williams' uh, theme for um, the character that uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge plays in the film um, there. So interesting. Ooh. Hasn't done a music video since the 90s. And now there's a little music video kind of for that theme. So very interesting uh, stuff. Is that right? Since, yeah, since Phantom Menace, I guess, uh, with his Duel of the Fate. I watched that Phantom Menace music video <sighs> so many yeah. times leading up to that movie. I was like, guys, they're back. This is going to be better than Empire. 
Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny is coming out this weekend. I've just been reading here already. There are prognosticating variety is $65 million, which is a good opening, but it's a $295 million movie, so you hope it might have some legs globally, but a $65 million opening domestically, which is not bad for a Harrison Ford being the age he is coming back to play this character. Shannon and I have seen Dial of Destiny. You can see our out of the theater trailer, re- our out of theater reaction that is up on the channel as well. But Michael is not. So we're going to focus on the four. And then maybe Shannon and I are tossing where we would rank out of the fifth one for right now. But uh, I want to know where you rank the fifth one. I, I will yeah. say, and I, mean, I, I, I watched your out of the theater review. Oh, yeah. Um, and that it was. Yeah. Listen, I was happy about it. I, you know, I think when we all spoke about the last we spoke about it on the show was after it premiered at Cannes. Oh, yeah. And the response was best described as tepid. Yeah. And there was a lot of this is disappointing. So for me, who is going to go see it this weekend on the East Coast when I'm in Cape Cod with uh, renowned producer Jonathan Gabay. Um, <laughs> I I was really kind of I was always going to go. Obviously, I'm going to go see the movie, but I was a little bit bummed. And when I watched your 90 second um, reaction, where you both were really happy, and Shannon said, "There's some quibbles, maybe one big quibble and a lot of small quibbles, but it's not Crystal Skull." And yeah. you both came out satisfied. See it this fight. Yeah, I would say that's true. I would absolutely 100 percent say that's true. Um, but let's look at these four movies. So. I think all of us have Kingdom of the Crystal Skull at the bottom. Yes, I think we would Not say me. that. Yes. Not you? Nope. No. Nope. Are you joking? Raiders is the bottom. Wow, there it is. There no, it I'm is. I'm kidding. Of course Crystal Skull's in the bottom. <laughs> Get out of here. Vogel yes. thought we were starting with the best. Oh, oh, no, never. You never go that direction. Um, yes, um, Crystal Skull is... The less said about it, the better. But let's say some stuff about it. Yeah, like what? What is there anything redeeming about Crystal Skull? You've got Mutt, Shia LaBeouf. You do have a Kate Blanchett coming in with that accent of hers. We get <laughs> Ray Winstone out of nowhere. Uh, we also have the return of Marion Ravenwood, uh, and we get monkeys and snakes and this weird Ants. plot with aliens. Um, and it's set in the 1950s, guy. So. Uh, is there anything redeeming about this movie that has been so vilified over the years, gentlemen? I don't hate the opening. Oh, okay. Like, I don't hate the whole opening. And and I'll, look, Steven Spielberg has spoken about this a lot. I really hated the aliens a lot when I saw it. But I think, and in retrospect, I think a lot of that is also just really poor execution. Like, what the fuck is going on? Right. What, you know, what what Spielberg and Lucas have both sort of said is that Indiana Jones was really based on like the serials of the thirties and forties and like the adventure serials and, you know, going to the jungle and finding treasure and all that kind of stuff. And then when they want, when they're like, Oh, well, we're Harrison Ford is older. Let's set this in the fifties. The fifties is, was drive through movies and aliens. And so like, they were like, well, let's make it sort of inspired by the movies that were out of that time. Let's go alien. Yeah. I don't think that that's as an idea a completely out of left field, horrible idea. I think the execution makes it horrible. Um, I think that, you know, the beginning is, it's it's sort of like the law of diminishing returns of that movie. The opening is fun. Kate Blanchett's Kate Blanchett. So I always love her no matter what bad haircut and all. Um, And then you get to the whole mutt college chase motorcycle thing where you're like, okay, that's a fun action sequence. Spielberg does action sequence as well. It's fine. As soon as they get to South America, just downhill. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon. uh, Uh, 
Agreed. Agreed. I think that that opening action sequence, Indy is a little too willing to help. Mm. Um, that's not the Indiana Jones that we knew at the beginning uh, with the first three movies. I mean, you look at why he did what he did with the arc. He was going for something of historical significance right. um, with uh, Temple of Doom. He's going because he wants to help this village, but also they're not going to give him a guide until they get this tone back. Um, uh, and uh, Last Crusade, it's to rescue his dad. His reasoning for helping the Russians find this skeleton um, is not great because we find out Mac, his played by Ray Winstone, immediately turns on him and we yeah. find out he's been working with the Russians. And it's like, you're a little too willing and a little too enthusiastic because like, give me this, give me this. You know, I need gunpowder. Um, it leads into a fun sequence. Like the sequence itself is fun where it does kind of drop the ball a little bit is um, they do address his age it's yeah. very funny, but it never really, it's not really a thing. I mean, the main thing is like he, he whips that hanging light and, and, you know, he misses the, he misses the truck. Like, damn, I thought that was closer. That is pretty much the end. And, and Shia LaBeouf makes some cracks about his age. Yeah. Um, the nuking the fridge that, that for me was just one step too far. I was like, oh my gosh, like that's, I get that you wanted this visual of the mushroom cloud and the silhouette of Indiana Jones. Like that's cool. I don't think we needed to do that because it was just so it, it, it just, for me, it put the audience off uh, like right away. Um, getting to the mutt, like the idea of Shia LaBeouf playing a greaser. I'm like, I don't have an issue with this. Shia LaBeouf's a great actor. Like he gets dinged a lot for this movie. And I don't think his performance is not the issue. Right. Why, why that didn't work. I mean, it is, it is what he was given and it's the movie and it's in its, in its whole. And, uh, the whole greaser fight, I actually thought that was really fun. Uh, and the chase itself, really fun. Really stupid shot when they're in the library and, and he and the, you know they spill the bike. And you see them on the slowest cable in Hollywood history going through. I'm like, that is terrible. Like, you should know that's terrible. And we get a, a brief cameo from Tom Hanks' troubled son. Um, once they do get to uh, South America, the movie does take a really big nosedive, unfortunately. And some of the newer performers, uh, newer uh, uh, actors that we got, they just didn't fit. And it's not that they're not good actors. They just didn't fit in the world. Ray Winstone just didn't fit. Jim Broadbent didn't fit. I mean, the whole thing where he's like, Indy, I resigned, like, at the beginning. And it's just like, we don't know you. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't, yeah. we don't. It doesn't matter. Um, the end where the the fedora blows off as Indy and Marion are, and are getting married and you see Shia pick up that hat in a sold out screening, which I imagine the three of us were together. Um, yeah. You heard an audible no from the crowd as Shia starts to put that hat on because that was the rumor is that he was going to yeah. take over. Have so I... the movie is fine to revisit for for sequences. Um but ultimately, it's almost like Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford forgot how to be Indiana Jones in certain parts. Like the whole thing of him saying intolerable, like they're trying to like, oh all right, you're turning more into your dad. It's like, <laughs> no, he's got to be Indy. He, he, he's not he's not Henry Jones Sr. Have I sorry. told you guys? Have I told you guys? I drive on the worst film. We got I'm three sorry, to go. I'm sorry. <laughs> have I told? Uh, really quick. I know. I know where. I know where we're running a little over. Time. But... Let's go. Let's go. I'm have sorry. I told you? Have I told you? This is. Good. Have I told you my Patton Oswald story? Oh. That right after we saw. Right after we saw. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. 
right after we saw Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I was working at Sony at the time, and I had a like work breakfast with Pat Oswalt. And it was I was really excited. I got to meet Pat Oswalt. He's really funny. So he, that like Crystal Skull was topic of conversation, and he said something that I've never forgotten. And he okay. was like, "I'll tell you how you know this movie's garbage." And I go, "How?" He goes, "The closing credits." And I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "End of Raiders of the Lost Ark." Marion and Indy walk down the hill. We pan onto this like box. It's the Ark. You pan out. You see all the stuff. Bum ba dum. Bum ba na na I'm like, yeah. He goes, Temple of Doom. They bring the kids back. They bring the stones back. He kisses Kate Capshaw. There's an elephant. Bum ba na. He's like, Last Crusade. Literal sunset. Riding on horses into the sunset. Bum ba na. He goes, Crystal Skull. Old people walk out of a church. Bum ba na. He goes, You tell me which one doesn't fit. I've never forgotten that. It is very accurate. That is accurate for sure. Uh, I, I don't think I can add more to what these two gentlemen said about it. <laughs> right, I have yeah. way less to enjoy about it than the they two than these two do because I I just think it's so not an Indiana Jones film. That's try, it's like cosplay. It's a really good attempt, uh, but at the end of the day, it's missing the spirit and the soul of what makes Indiana Jones so great for sure and i and i i would add one extra character to uh, to um shannon's points i would add shia labeouf doesn't fit either as good as he's trying to be in that film i don't buy him as indy's son and marion's son for sure uh and uh, yeah i agree with you on on ray winstone and jim bravo it just felt like and why would you introduce a character as a plant to turn on indy that we have no history with it doesn't make any sense just indiana jones knowing him is not enough in a situation like that you've got to do more and to lead to aliens I think you have to have had planted that for quite some time through the three movies. So when that moment happens, we have some history to get to, even if you've stumbled all the way down to that moment in South America, we at least would have had some historical connection. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's number three for you guys? Uh, Shannon, I go to you first. It would be Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Well, are we including Dial of Destiny in this? Not yet. We're gonna, Not yet. We're, we'll, okay. we'll do that at the end. But yes, Temple it, it, of it's Doom. Tem it's Temple of Doom. It is Temple of Doom, definitely. Same. I think it's Temple of Doom for all of us, yeah? Yeah, yeah. fair point. But I will say, I think for me and Shannon, it's a higher number three than it is for John. <sighs> Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it's a number three with an asterisk yeah. for John. <laughs> Oof. It's just like tough I, to watch. It's tough to watch. The I to this day love it. I think it has one of the greatest. Oh, I still think it's one of the greatest opening in movie. I think the entire opening with anything goes Opening's and great. the bar in Shanghai Absolutely. and the club Obi Wan. Like I think that's all. It's an amazing opening sequence. It's great. Um, and despite John's not incorrect issues with some of the race stuff. I think short round, like when I was a kid, I loved short round. So I still love short round. I now see why short round is a problematic character, but I've always loved him and seeing this kid that got to work with Indiana Jones. And uh, I just, it's some, there's some great action sequences. Like this is still real peak, peak director Spielberg, despite some of the problematic issues looking back on it from, from 2023. Yeah, that's the hard part of it because it is a prequel apparently, and uh, it, is. it is it is a little bit for me. It's more a matter of the white savior complex, and he's got to get these things and the Indian village. Look, we eat monkey brains. There's just some stereotype of this stuff, and yes, it's day, it's of its time, right? It's the 1980s. Certainly, there were evolved people who could have done a better job if you had gotten the technical assistance on it. But unfortunately, that wasn't the situation for a lot of movies back in the 1980s. So you kind of have to forgive it a little bit for that. But for me, the magic starts to wear off as it goes along. It's just not as interesting. The heart being pulled out, it doesn't have the same magic. But the bridge sequence, that is awesome. The bridge sequence is a great 
action sequence for sure. So there are things to enjoy within the movie. I just think the overall stuff uh, for me in 2023 and really last few years when I've taken a look at it just doesn't 100% hold together. But we may be watching it, the three of us, again down the road soon, so we shall see. But Shannon, which, which I, which I, I'm, I'm saving. I, I've got a silver bullet. I'm gonna <laughs> save it for that. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to use it yeah, here. That's gonna be fun. Um, yeah. Yes. The the mine car chase. I mean, that was the first oh, yes. time I was like, oh my gosh, like, why is there not a ride at Disney for this? Mm. And I think comedically, Harrison Ford is just hilarious in this movie, despite the fact that it is exceptionally darker. Um, the moment as the spikes are coming down and he's trying to get Willie to grab the other, the, the, the lever on the other side. And that I have the gif of Willie, we are going, going to, die. to die. And it holds on him for a second and he tucks his bottom lip out. And it is something that makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look, I, I, there's a way to talk about the, the, the uh, K capsule situation in two ways. One, she did an excellent job for what she was asked to do in the movie. I just think turning her into the screaming damsel in distress was just too much for me throughout the whole film, especially considering what had happened with Marion Ravenwood, which we've already discussed and had battles about. So, uh, so yeah, that's another part of it as well. But, uh, all right, let's uh, move on to our number two, uh, which is, I think this is where it comes to debate. This is, to this is where it you. comes to the debate. This, I, this yeah. is what we're waiting for. All right, I, I, Shannon, you had the first crack at three. So, Michael, your crack at two. What's your number two? Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree Arc. with you. Raiders. Yeah. All right. Well, clearly- now look. <laughs> this is a this is a this is a hotly debated thing. Like, yeah, I get it. Raiders of the Lost Ark made Indiana Jones what he is. It's a movie like no other. It came out and everyone's like, never seen anything like this. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think it's amazing. I actually have nothing bad to say about Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) Yeah, you can bring up the entire argument that people love to bring up, which is, had Indiana Jones not been in this movie, the Nazis would have gotten the Ark, they would have taken it, they would have opened it, they would have died. So did Indiana Jones really accomplish a lot? You could debate it, but it's a hell of an adventure. And so I love Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. I just love Last Crusade a little bit more. Fair enough. I Yeah, I agree. I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is a great start to that, uh, to the franchise, of course. From the opening there with uh, the great Alfred Molina in a very small role, the boulder, the idol, everything, the, uh, the writing on the girl's uh, eyelids, the introduction of Indy and this kind of guy who wants to be wanted. This is peak Harrison Ford. Uh, and he's got that swashbuckling thing down to a T. The introduction of Marion Ravenwood and that drinking contest is so great. Balak and all of them, the way they get introduced and, and, and weaved into this works so well. The action sequences, the ingeniousness of the genius of the plot and how they get to the arc, I thought, worked so well as well. As you're watching along trying to figure it out and uh, trying to solve this thing as well to get to the arc, it works so well. The chemistry with all the actors. And then we get to that finale, which is really insane, which is why when people start to bash India, I'm going, listen, ghosts came out of an arc, okay? Like, you can't be talking to me about metaphysical shit, not being a part of Indiana Jones. Been it from since the first movie, and that scene is scary AF, and it still is scary AF when I watch it. So that's what I'll say. 
ton. That man melts like a Yankee candle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will talk about Raiders now as it is my number one, but then I'll get to it. So Raiders is my number one just because as much as I love Last Crusade, this is something that flips on the on the daily mm. uh there are there are some days where i prefer last crusade there's other days i prefer raiders i think right now ever since we saw dial of destiny i'm very much on a raiders kick as the thing that started it all and i think uh it really played with the exception of the end which which does get a little larger than life but it works um they're playing this movie as reality i mean it is a very very there a lot of the action with the exception of the car uh the truck chase a lot of the action you know they are doing so much of that in camera it's all real and it's like a lot of this could could actually happen i mean the discovery of indiana jones as a character i mean he he is just he's just so captivating the whole sequence with the well of the souls, it's really just opening the door to this, to this bigger world. And I just, I love Indiana. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark so, so much. Um, yeah, that's all. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's move on to uh, our number ones and Shannon's number two. Uh, and that is uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. If you all don't mind, I'll go first here. I, I, and I'll keep it quick. I just love this chemistry of him and Sean Connery, you know, as someone who had a very strong overbearing dad who seemed to know better about everything than you did. People seem to love him more than they loved you. It was something that I navigated in my life for a very long time. And so to see that coming through in 1989 and to every time watch it ever since my father has passed, there has a magic to it. It's a realness to it, even though they were like, what, six years age difference or seven or 10. It wasn't that big, their age difference. It works so well. And this is Sean Connery at the reemergence of Sean Connery, the renaissance of Sean Connery. And he is so believably, so sweet. He's so tender, yet a hard ass in certain moments as well when he needs to. And there's no moment to me that beats him saying Indiana in that moment when he's holding on to Indy as he's trying to reach for the grail. And you see that even the great Indiana Jones can revert back to being someone who wants to satisfy his father and his desire for that grail at the same time. And there's just such a magic to that movie. Going, Seeing the knights, I'm such a fan of the Knights of the Holy Grail and all that. The cup, the Christ cup being myself, Catholic, growing up Catholic, there's, there's a real connection to that. So there's so much of this that works for me. Salah is really funny. So there's so much here that just really works for me. And the Hitler stuff is funny. Him autographing his book. The fact that they were sleeping with the same woman. I know now in 2023, some people might have an issue with it. I still like it. I think I still think it works. There's nothing wrong with both men being really good at picking up ladies. It's kind of fun aspect of the film. And all of that just works so well for me throughout in the script, the pacing, the direction, the fight with the Nazis in the tank, all of it, just hundred percent just has more magic to me and the way they ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Look, I think that from the, from the amazing opening sequence with the late river Phoenix and the entire yes, like circus yes. train um, to the fact that Indiana Jones is on the hunt for his dad and it's a really personal thing for him. 
Um, you know, the fact that his dad is scared of rats, the way that he's scared of snakes, the whole X marks the, the him in the him in uh, the beginning kind of saying, you know, don't don't confuse myth and legend with fact X never marks the spot and then have an entire search for the grail where X absolutely marks the spot. Like it's just it is a movie that is firing on absolutely all cylinders. And John is 100 percent right. We talk a lot of times about, you know, we're talking about, oh, what's the chemistry between this man and this woman? Is there fireworks? Is there sparks? There are sparks between yeah. Harrison Ford and Sean Connery in all the right ways. Every glance disapproving glare that Sean Connery gives him and the comedy. I mean, they just, they nail it. Everything from like Harrison Ford, no ticket (laughs) or like Sean Connery in the biplane where he like shoots the back and he's like, son, I'm sorry. They got us. Like, it's just the comedy in this movie is golden. And it's so funny to me. It's a lot like, like I liken it to the toy story trilogy. Um, where toy, you can't argue that Toy Story is the movie that started it all, not just for the Toy Story franchise, but for Pixar as a as a as a company. Like Toy Story yeah. is where it all began, but Toy Story three is these people know these characters and everyone's at the top of their game. And I think Raiders is a near perfect movie. It's the beginning of Indiana Jones. It's Spielberg and George Lucas right at that point in their careers. But Last Crusade is them being like, hey, we've taken a few years, we've learned some things, and we fucking know how to make a movie and it's just flawless the again the flip back and forth between one and two you know it is it is day to day and because one's two doesn't mean i like it any less um the again the chemistry between harrison ford and sean connery it is it is just magical i mean the whole concept of who would be indiana jones's dad James Bond. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that whole well, idea is just so what, well, go ahead. Particularly in a meta sense, because the entire reason that Indiana Jones exists was George Lucas and Steven Spielberg right. chilling out on a beach saying, what would our version of James Bond be? Yeah. And that's where Indiana Jones came from. Right. The, I, again, just the, the magic between those two, having one movie to come in and just having just such a fully defined character, knowing that he's how, how much Sean Connery, uh, Henry Jones, senior values honor in battle. And when they have that motorcycle chase, which was added after the movie had been completed because there wasn't enough action. When Indy grabs that flagpole and goes into joust position and takes out the German motorcycle troop and you see Sean Connery's elation at that happen. The next guy he takes out, he takes the, the remainders of his, you know, makeshift Lance tosses it in the wheel to see this guy, you know, just go uh, ass over ass over ankles um, and Indy being so satisfied and Sean Connery not being happy about yeah. that. Like you, you have just sullied an honorable, uh, joust. It's just so, so good. The X marks the spot moment. Fantastic. Yeah. River Phoenix doing such a believable young Harrison yeah. Ford. I mean, yeah. it was just so it, it, again, Raiders is a perfect movie. And I, and I would say last crusade is a perfect sequel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's one of the best so I, know, I know we're running out of time, but I want to yep. hear from you two. Like, so where for you two uh, yeah. on this list does Dial of Destiny fall in? Well, it's number three for me because I will. Oh, I just I really enjoyed it. I again went in thinking it was going to be a crap fest that I would have to convince myself to like. But I found myself just naturally and organically enjoying the hell out of it. 
the way they uh, played it, leaned into his age and made that a thing. The de-aging worked. Toby Jones coming in, um, you know, whereas you br- you introduced Ray Winstone out of nowhere, Toby Jones coming in out of nowhere works so much better. And then the connection to Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and she is just fantastic in the film. And I saw some people who hadn't seen the movie complaining about a certain thing that she does to Indiana Jones. It works in the fucking movie. So I love the way it does. And yes, where it ends up, yes, it is what it is. And I liked it. So to me, it took me up, swept me up. And I think Shannon's All 100% right. right. It made me want to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark again because I think this is the first one that really evokes that one linearly in terms of the style and approach to making that movie. So that's what I would say. Yeah, hearing words like disaster yeah. coming out of the screening, um, I, I went in with a very lowered bar, and with that lowered bar, had a fantastic time, where Jim Broadbent and Ray Winstone and John Hurt didn't exactly fit. Toby Jones and uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge absolutely fit. Antonio Banderas, he's not a big part in the movie. He right. fits in that world. Yeah. And I would say Mads Mikkelsen... That's the second best villain of the series, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a good statement to make. So yeah. where is it for you, Shannon? Yeah, where's it for you? It is number four. It is wow. number four because yeah. there are it, it it goes for some big swings that are not going to work for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I will be able to tell you more the reason why it's number four for me when we do our spoiler review. Why yeah, it does not eclipse Temple of Doom. Oh, fair enough. Okay. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to have Michael on for the spoiler review as Michael is going away for a week. But another Michael we are negotiating to join us for it, and that's Michael Kalinowski. So look for our announcement for that spoiler review happening sometime this weekend or Monday uh, as you're watching it's this. Uh, this For the best. Week. Michael and I have a restraining order against each other. We're not allowed <laughs> to be in 30 feet of each other's podcast. So I'll stay on the East Coast while he joins you guys, and then I'll come back for uh, everything after that. That's but I'm sure you can, uh, after you watch it in Cape Cod, you can record a quick 90 Ooh. seconds about what you what yes. you thought with some scenic with some uh, scenic Cape Cod in the background. Yeah, I, I might I might put on uh, I might put on some fancy Cape Cod glasses, pour myself a cocktail, and have uh, listen. <laughs> renowned producer Jonathan Gabay will be there, so he yeah, can produce. Yes. He can produce my Indiana Jones <laughs> review that I will send to you guys. See if you get Zack Snyder for that too. We are um, gonna get, all right, we're <laughs> gonna get so many eye rolls texted to us when he listens to this thing. <laughs> but he will secretly love it. He will. Yeah, yeah. Definitely records record on the Michael. We'll put it up because uh, that's not what I hear about the restraining order with you two. Um, all right. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's get on out of here. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly, Shannon. What do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Um, and listen, while you are doing all that and all that really fun following, go ahead and hit that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he has got there. Leave your comments below. What's your ranking of the Indiana Jones movies? What do you think about what James Gunn said? How is that Superman casting? Which trailer are you excited for? And what do you think of Tron? Let us know all of that below. If you are listening to us on a podcast form, go ahead and uh, leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings. If you're not listening to us on a podcast, 
go ahead go over to realm tv and uh find us and listen to us we would really appreciate it and if you uh have done all of that and you still want more to do go ahead and uh share this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies well, it was a little bit like it was it was he but he got control of the wheel so i appreciate it, it. went a little like that it was like oh we're back on <laughs> it's like flying with shannon mcclung all right y'all take care of yourselves be well we love you madly and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the geek buddies <gasps> hey! Hey! Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.